Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Okay, we're in the near the end of this series. We'll be finishing it next week. How many of you enjoyed One Peter? That's wonderful. At least 50% of the congregation. That's good if it's 50%. That's a high number. So um, we're going to finish it next week. But this week we have our discipleship pastor, head of our academy. And she's going to finish it off for us today. So would you give a round of applause to Rosemary Wine? people as well who are joining us from Colchester, the 11.30 service as well later, and also anyone online and in prison. So let's say hello to them. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. So I'm Rosemary, and I get to serve you here at C3 as a discipleship pastor. And actually, today is the day we finish this series on 1 Peter as we dive into chapter 5. But now you may have picked up that I'm not from the UK. I'm from this beautiful country in South America. Any South American amigos or amigas here? Come on, woo, where are you from? Countries? Brazil, anywhere else? Oh, we love Brazil. Awesome, well, I'm from Chile. And no, we don't grow lots of chilies in Chile, (laughs) but we're a pretty spicy nation. For example, we love a good protest. We love protests. And protests in Chile are nothing like the ones you might see on the streets of London. We get a little bit more, you know, feisty. And I remember this time when I was at university, when we had regular protests on campus. It was students versus the police, almost every single way, every single week. Wednesdays, 1 p.m. We were that punctual. (laughs) And I don't know about your uni days, or what they're like now, but in my university, students would come prepared and they will prepare firebombs, I know. So if you look at this first picture up there, you will see that we, the students, were on campus, and then there is this huge 10-feet gate separating us from the police who were on the other side. And from campus, you would see the firebombs going all the other way. And coming back from the police, tear gas. And they would throw it to us in cans and spray it at us from hose pipes. Now, I don't know if you have ever experienced tear gas, but let me tell you, you don't want to. It's horrible. It gets in your nose, in your mouth, it gets in your eyes, it burns, you can't see, you can't breathe. It's just a horrible, horrible feeling. If you see the second picture, we can see some people running away. Those are some of my fellow students <laughs> at university. You might be looking at me and thinking, surely Innocent Rosemary wasn't involved in any of that. That's actually not me. I wasn't involved. In fact, you know where I was? I was hiding. I was looking for cover. I was scared, making sure I didn't get hit by any firebombs or tear gas, which is impossible because tear gas just goes everywhere. And my eyes are focused on the police. They're focused on the tear gas, on the firebombs. My whole focus is on them because in that moment, they were the threat. In that moment, my problem was all of that, and I was consumed by it. And I was feeling hopeless. 
And I was wondering, how am I gonna get out of this? Now, the reason I'm sharing this story is because I believe it holds some similarities to our Christian journey. You see, when I started university, I was really excited, but I never imagined I would be running away from tear gas so often. I never imagined I would be running away from the police without even having done anything. It was scary. And I think the same way when we become Christians, we're excited, and we should be, because it is the best decision we can ever make. But sometimes, tear gas comes our way. Might be some disappointment, suffering, sickness, loss, a pandemic, cost of living crisis, a war. Or maybe there are people who don't like your decision of following Jesus, and you feel some opposition nobody told you about. Maybe some ridicule. And there's just tear gas everywhere. And you find yourself not able to breathe or see. And above everything else, you feel a bit hopeless. But friends, just like Peter reminded the church in 1 Peter that we have a hope, that we have a hope today, I wanna remind us of that same truth. We have a hope today. Not only when Jesus comes back, it's today. You know why? Because of the now and not yet. Those are the two natures of God's kingdom. It's the present which we have access now, but it's also its future state which will come in its fullness when Jesus returns. And in the meantime, we're in this middle section, right? We're waiting for Jesus to return, but I am reminded of Luke 17, where Jesus said, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's among you. In the words of a theologian called Georg Ladd, he said it, the kingdom is now moving through the lives of God's people one by one. So church, today I'm gonna share how we, in times of hopelessness, can be carriers of hope. How we can bring God's kingdom into your gas moments. But first, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son Jesus who is our living hope. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that you will show us and teach us how we, your people, can be a people of hope. How we can carry hope in this world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So 1 Peter 5 begins with a word, therefore. Some translations have the word, so. And some translations like this one, the NIV, completely omits it. It's not even there. But the original text, which is in Greek, has a little word that translates as therefore, because of, or so. So we need to remember that before we can even start chapter five, because of this word, we need to think of what Peter has said previously, right? So we have chapter one, two, three, four, therefore, chapter five. And if this is your first Sunday, um, first of all, welcome. But second of all, let me just catch you up with this letter. In this letter, Peter is basically saying, Christians, you're gonna go through suffering, this is how we respond. That's top line. And last week, Kate explained to us that when we suffer as Christians, we can actually rejoice. We can rejoice because we have Jesus and heaven is our home. And that brings us back to chapter five, therefore. And I'm gonna read this for you, the first five verses. Therefore, come on, everyone say therefore. 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 To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, 
watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Peter basically gives instruction to the whole church, to the elders and to the younger. In modern day English, to the pastors and leaders and to the congregation, that's all of us. Why is he doing that? Well, because the hope of Jesus Christ is found in the church. So he's addressing all of us and he proceeds to give us some instructions. Many years ago when I was doing my academy year, I came across a beautiful description of what the local church can look like. Listen to this. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable, its power is breathtaking, its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds preachers to seekers and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. The potential of the local church is almost more that I can grasp. Did I hear an amen? Come on, this is true because Jesus, who's the head of the church, is our living hope. And hope lives in us, the ones who make up this church. However, when it's not working well, it's heartbreaking. But good news, we have some good instructions for Peter, how we can be a healthy church so that we can carry hope. So the first point on how we can be carriers of hope is leaders lead well. And before you're like saying, oh, I'm not a leader and I might just take a nap right now, let me stop you right there. Because if you look at it carefully in this text, it says, to the elders among you. Peter is talking to the whole church, all of us, and he's saying, listen in as I tell our pastors how are the men to treat us. Now, isn't that interesting and beautiful? I mean, that's all about accountability. So we're gonna do that now for a few minutes, church. We're gonna listen in as I tell you how our church leaders and pastors are meant to lead us. Now, this is the original context. It's talking to pastors and leaders. But I do believe these are principles we can all learn from. The first one is this. This is verses two and three. We are to lead not under compulsion, but willingly. In other words, we should not lead because somebody expects us to or we need to meet someone else's expectations. We do it willingly. Second, we don't do it to pursue dishonest gain, but because we're eager to serve. And this is about not abusing leadership. We don't step into leader, leadership to have control, to be the boss, to, hey, call me the pastor. We don't do it to have a platform. No, we do it to serve. And biblically, leadership is all about serving. Jesus, um, what this is said about Jesus in Matthew 20, 25, he did not come to be served, but to, but to serve. So we are to lead willingly, we are to lead to serve. And third, we are not controlling, 
We don't lead in a controlling way, but we lead as an example. Now let's think, pastors and leaders, let's think of the people we lead. What are we asking them? Are we asking them to lead us because of what we tell them? Or are we asking them to lead or to follow us because of our example? You see, Jesus criticized the Pharisees who were like the religious leaders of the day and he said, you are giving people all these rules on how to live, but you're not even doing those rules. But we are here to lead by example. So church, isn't it good to know this? Isn't it good to know how our leaders are meant to lead us? I think some people are really happy here. Uh, yeah, come on, do that. Well, but the whole responsibility is not only this. For a healthy church, we also need to respond. And this is what Peter says in verse five. Likewise, you who are younger submit yourselves to the elders, to the leaders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So the second point for us to be carriers of hope we need to have humble submission. Now it's not coerced, yeah. it's humble submission. Yeah. And a few weeks ago, Elspeth explained to us that um, submission, Christian submission is not passivity. It's not standing still when we see oppression and injustice. Oh no, quite the opposite as Christians were meant to do something and say something. But submission to healthy leaders is having, and listen to this, because this is good, is having a disposition to be supportive in our attitudes and actions. Friends, our leaders have a great responsibility to look over us, to watch over us, and we can make it easier for them when we humbly submit. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and give an account. Account to whom? To God. Let them do this with joy and not with sighing, for that would be harmful to you. Now, this doesn't mean that when leaders make a mistake, we don't get to say anything or ask questions. Oh no, we need the accountability. But it means let's trust them that their motives are pure. Let's trust them, let's have a disposition to be supportive in our attitudes and in our behavior. But my main point is this. For us to be carriers of hope, we need to be a healthy church. And to be a healthy church, we need leaders who lead well, and we need all of us, the rest of the church family, to be humble in submission. This is a beautiful picture of the church, isn't it? But it can go wrong. It can go wrong, and I know it because I experienced it myself. When I was 18, my life changed quite drastically. My parents got a divorce, and I did not know how to journey that. It was quite a difficult journey for all of us, to be honest. And I had all these questions. I was like, God, if you're in control, why is this happening? If you're in control and you're loving, why am I feeling like this? And to make things worse, some people at church, and I do emphasize some people back at home, did not respond very well. And rather than being pastoral, I heard gossip, I heard judge accusations, and I can't tell you how painful that was for me. So I felt like, well, God is really not on my side. The church is not on my side. So I gradually walked away from church and from my faith. Listen to what Peter says in verse eight. Be alert and, of sober, of, and sober of mind. Your enemy, the, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Now this passage has both an encouragement but also a warning. Because the enemy, he's real. He's real and he's out there looking for someone to devour. Now let me tell you something about lions. I'm an expert now because I Googled it. <laughs> One thing lions love to do is hunting. But something I learned is that lions love hunting in stormy nights. It gives them an advantage. The prey, they can't really see as well as lions do. And because of the storm, the rain and the wind are scared. So it's really easy for the prey to get isolated. It's really easy for them to get lost from the rest of the group. And guess what? That's when they're most vulnerable. That's the animal version of having a tear gas moment. And that's what happened to me. Because I was away from the church, I was vulnerable. I'm not gonna go into details, but I made bad choices in life. I self-harmed, and I was filled with anxiety every night for a long time. And you know, last week, Katie challenged us to be the kind of church that can walk alongside people when they're suffering. And I often ask myself, what would have happened if there had been people, spiritual mothers and fathers in my life? What would have happened if I had brothers and sisters who had said, Rosemary, let's stand with you in this. We're with you. Let me tell you that God doesn't hate your parents because they're divorced. He doesn't hate divorced people. He hates divorce because it's not nice, it's painful. Let me tell you that Jesus loves you. Let me tell you that I'm gonna pray with you, I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna invite you over. I wonder what my life would have been like. And friends, that's my third point. For us to carry hope, we need to stand firm together. We need to be together. Now, that's something that took me a while to understand, probably another few years. After three years, I recommitted my life. I had a one-to-one moment with Jesus. We made peace, it was wonderful, but I still resented the church. And that's a problem, because Jesus loves his church. Jesus died for his church. Jesus is coming back for his church. But I had been hurt by some of the people in the church. And that took me a while to understand how to love his church. So long story short, after eight months um, of that peacemaking moment with Jesus, I came to England for the first time. And my sister, who was in Chile, said, Rosemary, you have to go to church. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to. I have Jesus, that's enough. And she Googled all the churches in Cambridge. I don't think she remembers this, but she Googled all of them and she sent me a link and said, this one looks pretty cool. So I go to this church only because she insisted and it was 10 minutes away from where I was living. And that Sunday was a bit strange. There was a worship pastor on stage who was leaving England and he was handing his guitar to the new worship pastor as a symbolic act. And everyone was feeling so moved. There was like love in the air. I was like, this is a bit strange. So I come back the following week and the following week I meet someone on the Connect team and he invites me to his C3 group. And I go to this group and I meet this wonderful group of people who, people who didn't know me, people who welcomed me, people who showed hospitality, people who were not clicky, people who even arranged lifts to pick me up and drop me back home because I didn't have a car. So they would make sure I was there in group. And a few months later, I get baptized. 
I stand in front of the church and I say, I'm following Jesus and I love you guys. But make no mistake, it was Jesus working through people. It was my church family, especially my C3 group, who carried the hope I needed. There were people who helped me start healing. They brought the kingdom of God into my life and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. It's about people bringing hope to other people. If anyone had told Rosemary, 18-year-old Rosemary, that she would be working in a church full-time one day, she would have laughed and laughed. But friends, uh, my point is this. Jesus is enough. He's our living hope. He's our Lord and Savior. But he also created us for community. And the church, guess what? It's his idea. Hello? It's his idea. So I wanna finish just by taking a moment to address two groups of people. First, everyone who calls C3 their home, whether you're in Colchester, the 1130 service, or online or in prison, if you call C3 your home, let me ask you this, how are you carrying hope? How are you bringing the hope of Jesus here and now? Sometimes I hear people say, oh, this person is really struggling. The church should call them and you know, send them flowers or something, which I get. But what about them? Have you called them? Have you texted them? Have you sent flowers? You know, we were commissioned by God to be his hope carriers. We're commissioned by God to bring his kingdom now. We're commissioned by God to share the gospel, to share Jesus in our families, in education, in business, in church, wherever we are. As Pastor Steve said two weeks ago, we are people who are sent by God. Can you imagine if people in our cities were hopeless? The moment they meet us, they can't but be hopeful because they met you. Let's make it difficult for people to remain hopeless, come on. And second, I would like to address anyone who's thinking, I'm a bit hopeless. Or Rosemary, you don't really understand my situation. If you only knew. And you're right, I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you this, hope does not depend on your circumstances. Hope is not dependent on your past, on what you did or you didn't do. Hope does not depend on your wishful thinking. It does not depend on your feelings or emotion because hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And because he died on the cross for you and for me, we can have hope today. And if you choose to follow Jesus, I can't guarantee that all your problems are gonna go away. But I can guarantee you this, Jesus is with you and is gonna walk with you through that valley. And also this, we will stand with you because we are the church. So we'd love you to stay here, stay around, get connected. Let us tell you more about Jesus. So as we finish, and we're about to go into a worship song now, I would like to read verse 10 over you. Peter says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, he has called you. He will himself restore, confirm, 
strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.